The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. So far, we are 2-2 two and two down .05 units, so essentially even overall on the weekend. That's exactly where we want to be as we head into an exciting weekend in the professional tennis world. We've talked about it all week long. We've got 10 events happening across the WTA, ATP, and Challenger levels, of course, coming up on Friday, the start of Laver Cup, the final match of Roger Federer's career. He and Rafa Nadal taking on Jack Sock, Francis Tiafo. Boy, is there a lot to get up for. If you're a tennis fan, of course, at this point of the week, we've also had the opportunity to see everyone play at least once. We've had the chance to get a grasp for the conditions at each of these events. As such, again, I'm feeling pretty good as we head into Friday or Thursday night's play, and I know that can get confusing this week on this show. It's a tough conundrum. If you're a tennis fan, do you focus your tennis watching on the evening session of play? Certainly, ATP San Diego play starts about 2 p.m. Eastern time, usually goes till at least midnight. Sometimes, if you're lucky, 1, 2 a.m., and by that point, the action in Tokyo has started. The highest level event of the week, the WTA 500 there. That action usually begins 11 p.m. Eastern time. You've got the WTA 250 in Seoul, Korea. That's also starting late on the East Coast here in the U.S. And then, of course, you've got the European action, the ATP event happening over in France. That usually kicks off around 4 a.m., carries on till 2, 3 p.m., Of course, most of you also have lives you like to live, whether you have your day job, whether you're attending school, whether you've got families you like to spend time with. Tricky spot as a tennis fan. Nevertheless, it's the conundrum you'd like to have, right? If you're trying to figure out what your tennis viewing schedule is, things are probably pretty good. And so again, it's going to be an exciting weekend of action. 
in the professional tennis world, of course, here on today's show. I want to monitor what's happening over the course of the next 24 hours. And as always, offer my picks to each of you listeners. I've got two aces of the day for today's or the next 24 hours of matches. And I do have some thoughts on all the action happening across the globe as well. Now, I will say we're not going to look at any of the Labor Cup action here on this show. With all due respect to Labor Cup, I know it's considered an ATP event now, and I know that frustrates certain people. I don't really care if the ATP wants to count it. It's not as if they offer points for the event. Uh, That said, it is a glorified exhibition, and as such, I don't like to wager on glorified exhibitions because sometimes you play for entertainment. Sometimes you don't give 100%, not necessarily effort, but from a shot selection standpoint. Certainly, if you have the opportunity to entertain those crowds in Roger Federer's final event, I think every player is going to take the opportunity to do just that. And, and, you know, again, it's also a team environment. The energy is phenomenal. It's just not an event you want to gamble on. And why would you have to do that when you've got so much action happening elsewhere in the tennis world? Again, you've got, what, two ATP events, two WTA events, five challengers, a WTA 125K. That's the good stuff, folks. That's what we're going to focus on here on today's show. But, of course, we will be talking Labor Cup, and we'll be recapping all of the action over on our Crack Rackets mini-break podcast feed. So if you're looking for those sorts of discussions, be sure to head on over to that podcast, which you can find on our website, CrackRackets.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast by searching the mini-break podcast. With that in mind, you came here to hear today's aces of the day. I've got two of them for you. I want to run you through my reasoning, run you through some of the numbers I see as I look at each of these matches. Let's start with one of the breakout stars of the 2022 season, Jung Chin Wen, the talented Chinese teenager, uh, has been, again, sensational throughout the course of 2022. She's up to number 36 in the rankings at the start of the week. Of course, with her success this week in Tokyo, she's now uh, already, of course, reached, I believe now, the quarterfinals of this event where she will be taking on Claire Liu tomorrow. You look now in the live rankings for Jung Chin Wen. She is all the way up to number 34. And again, in terms of teenagers in the top 100, the top-ranked teenager in the world, Coco Gauff, who, of course, is number eight in the world. You know who's number two now? It's not Emma Raducanu. It's not Layla Fernandez. It's Jung Chin Wen, second-highest-ranked teenager in the world. Of course, her birthday is October 8th. Shout-out to the October gang. As such, she's not going to be a teenager for much longer. But again, one of the breakout stars of the season, 34-15. and 15. Overall this year, you look this quarterfinal for her in Tokyo, her fifth quarterfinal overall on the year, third at the tour level. Of course, she also third round at the U.S. Open. She reached the round of 16 and was the only player to take a set off Iga Swiatek at Roland Garros. And to me, the big thing I respect so much about this season for Jung Chin Wen, not only the rise she's made in the rankings, but the fact that she won at least one match in the main draw of every slam she played this season. There are a lot of veterans who don't do that. There's just going to be a first-round upset. You play a young rising star, say a Jung Chin Wen, in round number one of a major. But, you know, Jung Chin Wen gets through her first-round matches. She often and more often than not beats 
who she's supposed to beat. You look for her this season, 27-7 and seven against opponents ranked outside the top 50. Now, she's also 4-5 and five against top 20 opponents. Good wins for her this year over a Simona Halep, over an Ostapenko in what was a phenomenal first-round U.S. Open match. Not only does she beat who she's supposed to beat, she's shown the sort of power tennis, the sort of weapons, ability to play on her own terms, and that power may distract you. I think Jung Chin Wen is also an outstanding mover, very fluid in and out of the corners on the court. One of the breakout stars, unequivocally, of this 2022 season. Again, in that 34 and 15 record, you look at her hold percentage, 74.9%. That's a top 15 number, folks. That is, you know, Again, what allows her to play this sort of elite power tennis. And now the break percentage has suffered 29.1% overall. That's obviously below the tour average. It ranks 42nd amongst top 50 players. But foundationally, I enjoy, I enjoy is the wrong word. Foundationally, I respect Jung Chin Wen on the return. I think that's the best way to say it. Her ability to explode through her backhand. I don't think her forehand backswing's that big. I don't think her grip is too extreme. I just think she likes to go big on that return of serve. And sometimes that bites her. Of course, the reason she's able to go big is because she is so confident behind her own serve. Again, Junction went early in this event, a 3-2 and two win over Paula Bedosa, where she faced two total break points, a 2-4 and four win over Masaki Doi, where she fought off three of four break point chances. Junction Wen is playing front foot, first strike tennis, and playing on her terms. And while her opponent tomorrow, Claire Liu, hasn't been a breakout star to the caliber that Junction Wen has been, but has quietly established herself as a top 100 player this season, currently ranked 84, reached a career high 74 earlier in the year, and rides a very respectable 26-19 and 19 record overall this season, particularly given how much of that success has come in tour-level events. Again, Claire Lou's had a very good year. You look for her, though, against top 50 opponents this season, 7-9 and nine overall in the year. Now, she's gotten recent wins, and here at this event, a win over Ali Risk, a win over Elisa Mertens as well. Obviously, has played some outstanding tennis, and you look for her behind her own serve. She uh, has only been broken four times through two matches, but uh, look at how good she's been on the return. 10 total breaks through two matches as well. 24 total break point chances in her in four total sets. That's pretty good returning tennis for Claire Liu. Here's the difference. With all due respect to Ali Risk and Elisa Mertens, I don't think they're servers the quality of Jung Chin Wen. I don't think they impose their will on their first strike as devastatingly as Jung Chin Wen does. And when I look for Claire Liu, some of the losses she's taken this year to players like, you know, again, a... a um, Anastasia Potapova, there it is. Sorry, I was just looking through these names here. Or, excuse me, Veronica Kudermatova was the name I was looking for. You know, even Coco Goff, who with her first serve was able to play first strike tennis against uh, Claire Liu earlier this year. I just don't know how confident I am that Liu's weapons, while they have progressed, I don't know how often she's going to be able to impose those weapons against a player, again, striking the ball so well as Jung Chen Win uh, is right now. You look for Claire Liu, 8-18 and 18 in her career against top 50 opponents, although again, 7-9 and nine overall this season, 2-0 and oh here at this event in Tokyo. Claire Liu, as I started this rant off with, has made progress. 
I just don't think she's at the level that Jung Chin Wen is at right now. And as such, I'm backing Jung Chin Wen and making her one of my ace picks of the day. You look at the money line in this match, a little too rich for my blood. Jung Chin Wen currently a minus 320 favorite. You want to take the set spread? You think she's just going to win in straight sets? Minus 145. I think that's pretty intriguing on this day, but I'm going to go with the game spread instead. Minus three and a half games because, again, Claire Liu has played four really good sets of tennis so far in Tokyo, and there's a world, sure, where Claire Liu maybe sneaks out a 7-6 set, where both of them just hold serve the entire way, or Liu sneaks out a break, but then Jung Chin Wen connects on a couple of returns of serve, and or, or vice versa. Jung Chin Wen gets off to a quick start, Liu's able to assert herself on the return of serve, and bada-boom, we have ourselves a tie break. I respect Lou much, too much right now to take Junction Wen to win in straight sets. That said, I do think she will win in straight sets, and I think she covers a minus three and a half game spread as well. So let's take Junction Wen to do just that. I think there will be at least one definitive set for the Chinese teenager in this match. Minus three and a half games, minus 150 odds, which again is a little bit less value than that minus one and a half set spread. But we'll take the game spread. Junction went again 27 and 7 against opponents ranked outside the top 50 this season. We'll take her minus three and a half games over an informed Claire Lou. Minus 150, 1.5 units to win one in return. If you want to hedge in that match, you can take the over two and a half sets, which is plus 150. You can also take the over in terms of total games, over 20 and a half games, minus 125. That's actually not bad value at all. You might want to throw that one on as well. We're going with the game spread for ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two, how about Marcos Giron? Earned a very good round one victory in his opening match in San Diego this week. Giron, a 4-3 and three victory over Thomas Martin Echeverry, who, of course, isn't the most successful hardcourt player throughout the course of his career. A lot of Martin Echeverry's success has come uh, at the challenger level on clay courts, but a good win for Marcos Giron, who has refound his form. To, uh, during this North American hardcourt stretch, you look for Garone. It's been a tough year, 18-26 and 26 overall this season, but qualifies in Canada before a tight first-round loss to Roberto Bautista Agut, qualifies in Cincinnati, knocks off Goffin round one before another tough loss to Roberto Bautista Agut. Now, he lost first round to Francis Tiafo in straight sets in the U.S. Open. In the moment, it felt a little disappointing that Garon didn't sneak a set out of that match because Garon really is just so solid all around a guy with a really high floor, match in, match out. Physically, he moves really well in and out of the corners, able to generate pace on that backhand wing so freely. And yeah, the forehand backswing can get a little bit big, but hits that on the run forehand so effectively. Uh, but then, of course, Tiafo goes on to beat Nadal, and Tiafo goes on to make the semifinals, and Tiafo goes on to play a fantastic match against Carlos Alcaraz that was only eclipsed because of how exceptional Alcaraz's victory over Yannick Sinner was in the quarterfinals. Again, no shame in that first-round loss for Marcos Giron. He's refound his form, refound his confidence, I think to end this 2022 season. And look, he's still got some serious points to defend down the home stretch of the year. Garone currently 58 right now in the rankings, but you know has a Sofia semifinal from the end of last year, a Mets quarterfinal from the end of last year, a Paris Masters round of 16 to defend on his ranking. 
It's a lot of points for Giron. There is some urgency for him right now. And look, he's playing in San Diego. And while he's an L.A. kid, to get to play in California in conditions you are oh so comfortable with because San Diego well, depends on traffic and what time you leave. But it's about an hour and a half from Los Angeles. Uh, that That's why Giron is so comfortable in these conditions. That's why I thought he did look particularly good against Echeverry. Yeah, he was broken twice, made 58% of his first serves, but you know was able to convert four breaks himself and was really in control of that match. Felt like he was always up a break throughout the course of it. I think he's got a very winnable match tomorrow as he's taken on the Duck, James Duckworth. Look, not only Duckworth's in a very similar spot as Marcos Giron, 16 and 19 overall on the year, but is coming off of a final at a challenger a couple of weeks ago and, you know, made a Newport quarterfinal uh, earlier this summer as well, won a match at the U.S. Open. But Duckworth's got a ton of points to defend down the home stretch of the season. He's got Paris Masters quarterfinal points, a Nur Sultan final run, an Istanbul challenger title to defend over the course of the next eight weeks. Urgency for James Duckworth as well, who finds himself at the number 83 spot in the rankings. And again, you lose Masters quarterfinal points, 83 becomes number 118 pretty freaking quickly. And now all of a sudden, instead of getting into the Australian Open main draw at your home country, you got to play qualifying in that event. Obviously not a place Duckworth wants to be. So there's a lot of urgency in this match. Duckworth, good victory so far over Popperin Kruger to get to the quarterfinals. He dropped the set against Popperin, but a 3-6 and six win over Kruger in the round of 16 where his serve was only broken once. He's won over 80% of his first serve points in each of his first two matches. But Giron's a different caliber of returner. Uh, you know, again, with all due respect to Mitchell Kruger, friend of the program, Giron doesn't have the Kruger forehand, which Duckworth was able to target with pace, with frequency. He, you know, Giron's not as recklessly aggressive as Alexi Popperin is in all aspects of the game. And Garone's going to be able to grind and just match the physicality of James Duckworth. And look, both of these guys, Garone, 29 years old, Duckworth, 30 this is the money-making portion of your career, your top 100 players. You want to get into as many ATP main draws as possible. Again, I think there's some urgency in this match. I think this one stays close. You look at the money line tomorrow, Marcos Giron, a minus 190 favorite. That's a little too rich for my blood. I test says Garone's got the matchup advantage. I just don't think Duckworth's forehand's going to overwhelm Garone as much as it did, or it draws as many errors as it did from his prior two opponents. And again, I just, I test-wise, I think Garone's refound that form over the course of the past two months. I already mentioned his track record of success here in North America. Now he's in his home state of California. I think this match stays close. If you want to sneak in the overs as well, I understand that. I'm going to go with Marcos Giron minus one and a half games. You take that minus 190 money line down to minus 150. And again, even if they split sets, if Giron wins two sets, he's probably covering a minus one and a half game spread. It's minus 150 odds, which is a little bit rich. So we're going to throw three quarters of a unit on it. 0.75 to win 0.5 in return. For what it's worth, you look at the tennis abstract singles forecast. Boy, it's always fun. To refer to our friend Jeff Sackman and his work at Tennis Abstract, Giron a 62.6, uh, 62.2, excuse me, percent favorite to advance. I like those odds 
at minus 115. Again, I test I'm backing Giron here as well. I think he has some tactical advantages. So we will make him our second ace of the day. But again, boy, a lot of fun tennis to be played over the course of the next 72 hours. You look at who's still alive in San Diego. And depending on where you are, a lot of these matches happening on Thursday. You know, it, it could be a Brooksby or Mackie McDonald versus J.J. Wolf scenario. We could have a Brandon Nakashima title run in San Diego, his hometown. Isn't that a narrative we can all get excited about? And you've got, what, five Americans still alive in the bottom half of the San Diego draw. So what's what's four at 25? So 12 and a half, 62 and a half percent chance. Shout out to math that an American makes the final. Um, I like those odds there. I like the fact that you look at our other ATP event happening over in France. You've got Seppi Corda into a much-needed uh, quarterfinal run. He's going to take on Lorenzo Sanego. You feel like that's a very winnable match for the young American, of course. Rinder Knesh, Hubi Hurkacz, you like six foot five, big serve and tennis players. That's who you know. That's the match for you. Bublik still alive. Holger Runa still alive. I know Medvedev, Stan Wawrinka were battling earlier today as well. Of course, you've got the star of stars, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, playing doubles at Laver Cup, as I mentioned. You know, do I, Schwartzman Tsitsipas, sneaky good scheduling. That's been a fun rivalry this year. Their ATP Cup match, I think they played in Monte Carlo as well. They both went three sets, Tsitsipas 2-1 and one overall on the year. I think Fritz is in action as well. I believe Taylor Fritz is playing uh, tomorrow. I'll have to look that up. I don't remember the exact schedule. Yeah, it is Fritz. Uh, it is, no, excuse me, Jack Sock playing singles as well against world number two, highest-ranked player in Labor Cup, Casper Ruud. You probably lean Ruud, although indoor hard courts, team event, two out of three sets, 10-point breaker, Fitness not as much as a factor. Jack gets hot on the serve and forehand. He's played a lot better this year. He always gets up for Laver Cup. That's a fun one. Murray in the UK against Alex Diemenauer. How can you not be excited about the prospects of the athleticism in that match? Yeah, that's a really fun day of tennis at the Laver Cup. So all your ATP action promises to deliver. Of course, you look at our WTA events, the draws are absolutely loaded, whether it be at the 500 event in Tokyo, where you look at tomorrow's quarterfinals. Not only do you have Junction Wen versus Claire Liu, Veronica Kudermatova up to, you know, very much alive in the WTA points race. She's taken on Beatrice Haddad Maya. And, you know, you look for both of those players right now. Veronica Kudermatova currently sitting at ninth in the points race. That actually means she's eighth because eighth place Simona Halep done for the year. So Kudermatova is in right now. She's got a 330, excuse me, 343-point lead on Beatrice Hadadmaya. Hadadmaya is 14th, 343 points. For the record, if Hadadmaya were to win, oh, no, excuse me, I was looking at Maria Sakkari's total. Beatrice Hadadmaya, 397 points behind Veronica Kudermatova. Now, why is that relevant? If Hadadmaya wins the Tokyo title, she will be a mere 27 points behind Veronica Kudermatova for that final spot in the WTA Tour Finals. Yeah, that's a match. You clear the schedule for folks. That is a very, very fun quarterfinal event. Of course, you've got Ludmilla Samsonova, who's won now 15 of her last 16 matches. She's taken on Garbine Muguruza. If Muguruza is not careful, she's going to fall out of the top 50 
to end this season. That's how rough it's been for her this year. You look for Muguruza right now. She's sitting at 12 in the rankings, but you know she's got all those WTA Tour final points from last year to defend. She's got a Chicago title run to defend as well. She could fall out of the top 50 if she's not careful, and she has to be careful. She's taking on the big hitting Ludmilla Samsonova. Then you've got a fun one. Jung Shui's played very well this year. She's taken on Petra Martic, another player who has just had one of those Again, just been like, I am a top 35 player. Hear me roar. Uh, that's a fun quarterfinal matchup between those two. Of course, over in Seoul, you've got Radakanu looking for, I believe, a first semifinal this season as she takes on a very much informed Magda Lynette. Lynette more wins this season at the WTA level than any prior season in her career. How about former Texas All-American NCAA doubles finalist Lulu Sun? Shout out Longhorn. She's got her first WTA quarterfinal taken on ECAT, Ekaterina Alexandrova. Ostapenko still alive in that event as well. I also think Tatiana Maria's been playing pretty solid tennis. And then, again, Budapest 125K, five challengers, that Columbus challenger, Kingsley taking on Vukic, Buckeyes versus the Illini, Hijikata versus Stricker, you know, two of the better young players in this 2022 season. If you can't get amped for this weekend, I mean, come on now, folks. Post-Grand Slam tennis still matters. Very, very home sh- uh, fun home stretch to the 2022 year. With that said, again, aces of the day for the next 24 hours. Jung Chin Wen, minus 3.5 games over Claire Liu, minus 150, 1.5 units to win one in return. Marcos Giron, minus 1.5 games over Duckworth, minus 150, 0.75 units to win half a unit in return. Shout out to our friends at DraftKings for their continued support of this podcast to allow us to take the time to preview all of this exciting action. Of course, again, recaps over on the Mini Break podcast feed. Shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who I don't want to say unfortunately because that's not the right world. We just got back from Waco, Texas. He's got to go down to Louisville, where he is from, for a quick family thing. and You know, just an exciting family thing. Nothing to worry about if you're a Cracked Rackets fan. But as such, he's got to go down to Louisville tonight. So I apologize if this is a lightly edited podcast, although most of our podcasts are lightly edited. But the point is, I do apologize for the lack of intro music, the lack of certain things that have been missing. I know there have been a few swear words that have been thrown in over the course of the past couple of days. I apologize for that. I believe I kept this one clean, but with that said, as always, a shout-out to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the job, just the job, that he does day in, day out. And uh, with that said, for our Super Producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.